Welcome to the Twist Conservative Podcast, episode number nine. Hello and welcome to the Twisted Conservative Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is your host, Jason Vaughn, the Twisted Conservative. I am very happy today to say that our guest is going to be Joanne Fleming of Grassroots America, We the People. Uh, she is a great friend of mine out in Tyler, Texas. Uh, one of the first activists I actually met here in Texas when I was at Patriot Academy before I ever moved here. So happy to have her on and uh, and let you hear from her. She's what uh, runs one of the most effective organizations in the state of Texas. So I'm sure you'll learn a lot from her. Uh, originally, we were going to have John Siegel of Texas Right to Life on to talk about the Brittany Maynard case. Some things came up for me and for him. And so we've moved that to next week. Hopefully you'll tune back in then to hear uh, talk about bioethics and uh, assisted suicide and suicide in general. A uh, little bit darker topic, obviously, but something that really needs to be discussed. But let's go on into talk with Joanne Fleming. I think you'll enjoy this interview. If you'd like to talk to me, you can tweet me at Jason Vaughn, at J-A-S-O-N-V-A-U-G-H-N. And, of course, you can email me at ProLifeTexas at gmail.com. Let's go to the interview. Well, hello, all you twisted conservatives out there. I am so happy to have my friend Joanne Fleming on today of Grassroots America. She has been a Tea Party leader for several years. Joanne, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much, Jason. Um, as Jason said, I'm Executive Director of Grassroots America, We the People, and I am the two-term chairman of the Advisory Committee to the Tea Party Caucus of the Texas Legislature. I have been a conservative activist, a full-time volunteer activist for the last 23 years. So it's a uh, it's quite interesting, Jason, and I enjoy talking to young conservatives like you. Well, thank you. You've actually been on both sides. You were also a county commissioner for uh, two terms, I believe, or was it one? For one term, I went in to finish some reforms uh, that we uh, wanted to do. Uh, so I self I limited my term. The grassroots uh, political scene was calling me back, and uh, that's where I'm best suited is in the grassroots. Well, wonderful, and you've done done a great job. Uh, there's very few, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Tea Party principles, but uh, before I moved to Texas especially, every time I attended a Tea Party event, honestly, it was either just a campaign rally or a bunch of people complaining, and uh, very, mostly much older people. Um, and so, so honestly, there was a big disconnect for the Tea Party and actually getting out and doing action, uh, especially after the initial push in 2010 you know 2010 everybody got out was very effective and voted but after that outside of a few groups that i can pretty much name on one hand uh your work uh, over in tyler and around the state and julie mccarty's work with the northeast tarrant tea party um they i i don't really see a lot of effective conservative activists and that's why i wanted to have you on today and we're really going to talk about um how how to be a good activist and how to organize other people as well in that. 
So uh, how did you get started? When did you first organize Grassroots, uh, Grassroots America, or did, uh, was that a combination of several people? How did that come about? Well, I was uh, had ended my term on the Smith County Commissioner's Court on December 31st, 2008, and I had been an activist since the uh, about 1994, 93, 94. We had had a local taxpayers association, and I had been vice president and president of that, working on local government reforms. And, um, you know, had had done that for quite some time. And so after I uh, got off the commissioner's court, I thought I was going to come home and be a regular, ordinary person, uh, you know, just doing things like, you know, putzing around the house and, you know, just doing some things I'd always wanted to do. And then I got a call from some business, um, small business owners in Tyler who uh, were already reading tea leaves, as it were, and saying, we think our country is headed for trouble, and so we're looking at putting together an organization. And so they called me, and I I met with them a couple of times. They asked me if I would lead it, and I told them that I would, uh, and that was back in February of 2009, and we've been going strong ever since. We've had steady, consistent growth, and uh, so we have local watchdog groups, Jason, and we have, of course, we're very, very active at the state level, and um, you know, I was on the Ted Cruz team and, and remain on his kitchen cabinet advisory uh, group. So, you know, we're just very, very active, and, and I really got started uh, uh, way back in, um, you know, in 1992 when we moved back to Texas, my husband and I, we had a, a three-year-old, and I really started uh, looking at education, and I saw what a disaster education was in. I was just looking for a you know, place for my son to go to school uh, in a couple of years, and I started out with Eagle Forum. There was a local Eagle Forum chapter, and we started in getting involved in education, and it just took off from there. I, I basically found myself, you know, back in Texas in 1992. I didn't have any family here, didn't have any friends, and, you know, just went through a period of time feeling pretty sorry for myself. My husband had a very, you know, high-stress, really important job in the oil and gas industry, and um, so it's one of those moments whenever you, you look up in the sky and you say, okay, God, I don't know why I'm here, but I know that you have a reason. So if you'll just show me what that is, then I'll go do what I believe you're showing me to do, and the rest is history. <laughs> now, you actually you said that um, one of the folk, you have local focus groups and then you have statewide uh, state focus. Uh, could you yeah. kind of describe why that's important? Because what I see from a lot of groups is almost going from um, federal disaster to federal disaster. Every time Obama does something stupid or an organization does something stupid, that becomes the entire focus of, uh, of a group. And they don't actually get anything done because they're moving from disaster to disaster instead of a more focused um, a more focused level, especially at the state level, where I actually think I'm a big proponent of state and local government where we can actually have the most, we can get the most done. 
Well, you're right about that, and, and we take a Jeffersonian approach uh, to government. And you know, Jefferson said that you're you're the we the people are best able to impact the government that is closest to us, and so that is with your local government. And and you know, local government is actually where a lot of people that run for Congress. I mean, they usually start. Uh, perhaps as a city councilman or city councilwoman, they might be they might serve in some capacity at uh, county government. Then they may you know achieve status to you know run for a state representative or state senator, and then there you ha- then they go from there um, to to run for federal office. So. You know, in our minds, you need to go all the way back to the beginning and you need to look at what are, you know, do you have limited uh, government uh, responsive to the citizens that would be the most personal liberty and the most limited government, the most transparent and efficient and effective government at the local level? If you don't, that's where you need to start. Uh, and from there, of course, state government is very, very important because actually um, the states have ceded so much of their uh, authority and responsibility to the federal government over time. It's just been usurped. We believe it's important. States' rights are important. We think it's important to get all government back inside uh, their constitutional limited roles. And the best place to start is at the local level, but that can be the hardest place to start, Jason, because that requires people to speak up in their own communities, and if you care a whole lot about moving up the social ladder and being invited to every soiree important, you know, uh, socially important group uh, and and meeting in your local um, entity there, you know, you might become unpopular if you start speaking out. So it really takes a a particular kind of person that is very, uh, a group of people that are very dedicated to, to principle, to limited government principles, and have a certain amount of courage uh, and, and some common sense to start speaking out because you will, because the people, the very people that you are speaking out about, um, and the things that they do that are right and things that they do that are not right, you will find yourself, you will meet them at the grocery store, at the post office. You might even be sitting a, a pew or two across from them in church. And so that makes it a little more difficult. And I find people, you know, the first time a nasty letter to the editor is written about you, if you find yourself, you know, um, sobbing on the floor. Uh, You need to um, understand that the fight can be brutal, but if you are fighting for principle and you really believe in it, uh, you need to get yourself up there and get your mind right and be willing to stand for principle. And And it's hard to do at the local level. Um, after about 23 years of that, I've got a few battle scars and all that. But I will tell you this, that if, you, if, a, if a person will start uh, speaking out in their own communities, you will soon find that there are a whole lot of people that are just really happy that you're speaking out. And, um, you know, over a period of time, uh, you won't worry about those letters to the editor anymore. <laughs> and it's also the hardest place to find information uh, with especially your your city government, but even state government, because whether it's Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, Dana Lash, whoever it is, uh, you know, even locally, John David Wells and, and our radio hosts and all here, 
you know, they want their their, their business. They want to have ratings, and um, and they go after the stories people are most interested in with the biggest audience, and that's the national stories. So finding and following local news is extremely difficult. That's one of the reasons I started Twisted Conservative, especially during session. We're going to have a weekly uh, we're going to have a weekly update on what bills are coming up, what to pay attention to, what's going to committee, and, and that sort of thing because it's just so difficult to follow. You know, there's 9,000 bills last session that went through uh, this, the House of Representatives. Finding and knowing what's important, what should, what to follow is going to be is, is very difficult. Do you have any resources uh, besides going to all of your city council meetings uh, that you recommend for people? Well, if you're going to start at the local level, the best way to get started is to introduce yourself to your local officials. If you're going to decide, you know, if you're if you're most interested in school, uh, public school policy, uh, academic results in your local schools, that sort of thing, the first thing to do is introduce yourself to to the member on that school board that represents you. Um, a call and ask them for a meeting, uh, sit down and kind of visit, ask them what's important to them, listen to them a few minutes, um, and get to know them. Um, start attending the meetings, meet the school board president, uh, ask for a meeting with the superintendent, and uh, then begin to raise some issues that concern you. But the best place, you know, the, the, I tell people whether you're watchdogging a local uh, public school district a city council, commissioner's court, the most important thing you can do is to find out where do they get their authority. That means you'll go to, to, to some state statute. You will look that up. Um, and that's kind of getting out in the weeds. But you want to find out what their authority, where their jurisdiction begins and where it ends because you don't want to ask people to do something that is outside their jurisdiction. So you want to find out where those jurisdictional restraints are. And then you also want to just sit and, and observe and listen in meetings because it is important no matter what group. It doesn't matter if you're, looking, if you're, if you're attending uh, Texas Ethics Commission meetings in Austin or whether you're attending a local uh, your city council meeting. You learn quite a bit about people by just sitting out there in the audience and observing because it is important for you to figure out who the powerhouse are in that in that structure. Uh, sometimes the people who hold the power are not necessarily the elected officials. You may find that a city manager has an enormous amount of of power that goes beyond the job description. It, it's about learning personalities. It's about and you and you can detect who's a follower on any board. You can figure out who a follower is and who the real leaders are. And it's important tactically and strategically to know the people that you are going to approach to solve problems and to do, uh, you know, to speak up for your community for limited government and for reforms. And so, um, you know, that sounds pretty tedious, and I tell people, please don't do it the way I tried to do it, uh, and that is by attending every single public meeting that you could get yourself to, um, because that's kind of something, I just had a passion for it, and I wanted to learn everything I could about local government. But I tell people that if you want to become an activist, figure out what it is that you're most passionate about. Uh, and on the state level, figure out what it is you're most passionate about. If you're a Second Amendment um, person, you know, by all means, go follow that. If you're, you know, pro-life activist, please follow that. If you're somebody that 
uh, budget spending is important to you, be involved in that because you really have to have quite a bit of experience, public policy experience, and know how to navigate your way around government entities before you can sort of take a, uh, you know, a, a, a hit the high points of all of it um, because some of the statewide leaders, and I would say statewide leaders being, uh, for example, people that are in the Life, Liberty, and Property Coalition, mm-hmm. several of us have a, we pretty much know what is going on in any major topic in state government yeah. because that's just what we do. But I tell mm-hmm. people, you don't have to do it the way we do it. Figure out what it is that you are passionate about and become a subject matter expert in it. Yeah. And you'll get burnt. And the other thing is you'll get burnt out on uh, doing that. Unless you're, especially for young people, I think, uh, this is very important is, you know, if you're starting a family or you're in your, even if you're middle-aged and you've got a young family uh, started, you don't have time to follow politics as much as you would like to. So the best thing you can do for a movement uh, is find a place to be an expert be yeah. and be that go-to person. Because I am not, you know, I, I run Pro-Life Texas, and I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm a politico. I, I follow almost everything. But when it comes to legislation, there's a few things I have in mind and I know who to go to when I – want to mm-hmm. say, hey, put a bug in somebody's ear, say, hey, what do you think we can do about this? But I'm not the guy that's going out running pro-life legislation. If I want to do something, I'll call my friends over at Texas Right to Life and say, because they they've got a, a huge plan, and, and I'll say, hey, what do you guys think about this? What, uh, is there a possibility we could get this on the agenda in the next little bit? You know, those are the guys, but I'm not, I'm, a, I, I'm, an, I'm an activist. That's my thing. I, I like training other activists. So if people can find where they want to get involved, especially if they can get involved on their local level, because that's the hardest thing to do, and we need people reporting on their city councils and then going and partnering with someone. You know Aaron Harris over at Direct Action Texas. Uh, they're desperate yeah. to find people that will run a, a, you know, a monthly blog or just a, you know, some kind of thing that says, this is what's going on in my city council right now or my school board meeting. And you just go to that meeting once or twice a month, report on that. That is, you would be the go-to expert that everybody would go to on that subject. That's right, Jason, and it doesn't take very long uh, before you will know more than just about anybody uh, about that particular topic because let's just face it, you know, I, I'll just give you an example of people that get all been out of shape about property taxes when they get the property tax statement or they find out they are notified from their mortgage company that their escrow amount has gone up and they're going, gee, I wonder what happened there. Well, usually it's because your property taxes have escalated. Uh, that's why. And so so, you know, I will encounter them, the grocery store, post office, whatever, and people just, you know, really exercised over it, and they're going, okay, so what are you doing about it? Well, you know, the thing about it is we, the people, have to do something about these problems, not just count on one or two people or a group. The thing about it is mm-hmm. if you don't know who your local officials are, if they don't know who you are, if you do not call them, see, to an elected official, silence equals approval. Let me say that again. To officials, elected officials, silence from the people equals approval. Mm-hmm. 
So I tell folks, you know, you, I am happy for you to tell me, exp- express your discontent with this to me. I'm happy for you to do that. And that just adds to my repertoire of people who I can call to say, could you give me a quote or two about why you don't like X, Y, or Z? That's great. But If you have not picked up your phone and you have not called those people who represent you who have been hired by voters to do a particular job, if they have not heard from you, if they have not heard from you, I think my property taxes are too high, what the heck are you spending the money on and why are you spending it? Mm -hmm. I mean, if they haven't heard from you, then they think that everything is just fine. So, you know, I tell people, I'm happy to hear from you, but have you called your elected officials? And most of the time they say, I don't even know who that is. Well, I would say to you, Jason, and to to all those um, twisted conservatives out there, that if your elected officials haven't heard from you, then you have not begun to fight for liberty and limited government. Hmm. So true. Uh, I was. Um, uh, Dana Lash has brought this book up a lot uh, when I've spoken with her about local politics, and uh, she said that uh, the blueprint. It's called the blueprint for anybody listening, uh, and how Democrats won Colorado and why Republicans everywhere should care. And uh, it's about pretty much how the, uh, Democrats started at the local level where nobody pays attention especially here in Texas where it's not a um, where it's not a, uh, a a party seat and they built up a huge amount of power there and then ultimately in 2008 took over and uh, as i was saying they took over the local level and ultimately were able in 2008 they went from all having the governor's mansion the both uh the the state house and senate the secretary of state uh even and the state treasurer and all of a sudden 2008 completely switched now they're starting to go back red again but it was that early start in uh in finding local elections and and starting in that local government that they were able to change the state and if you go to almost any city council or county council or local board in the state of Texas, I've seen it's not the conservatives that run it. That's it's, right. They might be they might be Republican, but they're at best liberal Republicans. The, you're exactly right. And, and and let me quantify usually what type of Republican you will find there. You will find what I call big government Republicans. They are the Republicans who um, who are uh, in bed with big business. And so what you have is lots of cronyism, lots of uh, corporate welfare um, that is uh, under the nice-sounding name of economic development. You have people that dole out uh, goodies and, uh, you know, sweetheart deals. Um, and, and often they can be done quite legally in, in executive sessions, in closed sessions. And if you're not following in them and you're not finding out exactly what uh, is going on uh, in your local government, they, all of this goes on. And then before you know it, see, they have found themselves a blank slate on which to write. And so, uh, you know, you will have people from, you know, 
the big wheelers and dealers in the Chamber of Commerce, um, the big economic development people, before you know it, then they will have made contact with all the big lobbyist groups in Austin. And before you know it, they've got a big package of money to deliver to somebody to run for public office. And there you have it. You know, then a person gets elected to state senate or as a, as a House member and goes to Austin which then gives us the results we saw last session, that even with 95 Texas House members being Republican, 51% of all the bills passed last session in the Texas House were authored by Democrats. That's how that happens. It starts in your own backyard. And and I must say another thing is people need to get over this idea that, you know, Sam down the street there or Dolores are just these, oh, they're nice people. They're nice people. Why would we not want them elected to office? They're nice people. Well, you know what? There are a lot of nice people that are good to have a cup of coffee with, go fishing with, hunting with, you know, shoot skeet with, I mean, just great people to be around, but they don't necessarily need to be in charge of your um, collective wallets in funding government, nor should they be in charge of your liberty, because they lack the core uh, convictions and the core principles by which to govern wisely and in a limited way. I mean, they're just those happy, backslappy people that are just friends with everybody. And before you know it, I mean, you will find that you've got a Santa Claus representing you in government. <laughs> and and the Santa Claus approach to government says, you know what? I'm so happy with being popular. I'm just going to give people everything they want. That's how that's how we end up getting big government. So you're exactly right. That's where uh, liberal Republicans, um, because you you know that they just it's it's that friend thing. It's that you know winning friends and influencing people at the local level by by giving them sweetheart deals. And before you know it, they've gone to Austin. And then before you know it, we might have um, made an oops and sent a good old boy up to Washington D.C. So that's what happens when we, the people, don't pay attention to our own backyard. So besides contacting, sitting down with them, and, and knowing and getting to know them, what are some steps that the average citizen that's not a politico um, or even would be considered an activist, what can they do to, to with their limited time, to make the most impact? Well, I, as I said before, I think that if you will pick a topic that you're very passionate about, what matters to you? What is it that really makes you angry when you see government mess it up or if you see government um, swerve into personal business? I mean, you pick that topic. And then you need to learn everything that you can about it, and it's quite it's a lot easier than it used to be um, to find information. And then you need to get your elected officials should know you should hear from you often enough that they know you by name. Uh, you should show up at meetings. 
Um, and then you should spend your time using social media uh, to contact and to let other people know. You have a sphere of influence. And if you look back to the very founding of this country, you know, back then, Jason, they had to dip the pen, the quill and ink, and they had to write it out and all that sort of thing. Well, today, we have the ability to let a whole bunch of people know at one time uh, about something that we think is an offense to personal liberty, uh, something that is big government. Um, and, and it's easy to do that. So people have to speak out and they have to be informed. But I will say this, that if you're going to be an activist or if you're going to be someone who has earned credibility with your peers, for heaven's sakes, make sure that you're sending out factual sourced information. Do not forward rumors. Do not bear false witness against the neighbor. That really is not a suggestion. It really is a commandment. And so we need to, if you're, if you're just going to send out every, you know, rumor that the Internet can crank out, you're going to mm-hmm. find yourself sending out a bunch of stuff that makes you look like a loony tune. Don't do it. Be responsible. And another thing is treat people the way you'd want to be treated. You know, the right thing to do with an elected official, you don't call them up and curse them out. I mean, nobody, I used to, people who would call me up when I was an elected official and start cursing at me, I would say very sweetly, you know, I understand that you are upset about this, but your cursing and yelling out at me will not make me hear you faster. So when you can calm down, I will be happy to have a substantive conversation with you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, be wise uh, about the way that you conduct yourself and treat other people the way they'd want to be treated. And I'll guarantee you, uh, you'll get some results. Especially if you're speaking to someone's staff, which is generally what you will will end up speaking with more than you'll, you'll speak to your actual uh, representative and uh, you know I I never realized how much impact the staff actually has on uh, on being able to persuade their le- on our legislators just because especially like in the state uh, in the house where there's nine thousand bills the, the, the representative doesn't have time to go through all of them so they're dependent almost purely on what information their staff is giving them. So if, uh, you know, you call out, you start cussing out staff members, you're not going to get very far. No, you won't. And, and it's, um, you know, by the staff's not making, unless it's a senior staff member, uh, lots of people, lots of times whenever you call in, you will end up talking to someone who maybe is an intern. Um, yes. and, and you are talking to somebody that may not have a whole lot of experience. Well, you know, it doesn't hurt to be kind. Kindness gets you uh, you, you can still be irritated about something, but treat the person that you're speaking to with kindness. And so you, it is a mature person can certainly deliver a very um, specific statement about their beliefs and their opinions on a piece of legislation without acting like a jerk. And yeah. so, um, and I find that people who are stable, who have the right temperament whenever they're speaking uh, to staff will actually, you know, it doesn't hurt to say, now look, I know that this, you're not responsible for this, but I really need you to let your boss know that I feel very strongly about X and here's why. 
yeah. and then take it from there. And to, and to go by there. Uh, sometimes, you know, I go by offices even when I don't want to deliver a statement. Um, I will go by there and just simply ask them, how are you doing? Is there anything mm-hmm. that my organization can do for you or if you're a boss, to make the job easier. And there are times that there are legislators that are trying to get a piece of legislation passed, and they will very much want a a responsible activist leader to to provide either uh, oral or written testimony uh, to a committee. And so those are things that you can do to help. You might you might even go by uh, a representative's office that you that you know him, maybe you support him in in his campaign, but you don't live in his district. Well, but maybe he knows that you have influence over somebody else, and so his staff might say, "Well, if you don't mind, would you put in a word for our legislation over at so and so's office?" Well, you know that means that you're not only hammering home your points, but you're trying to do what you can to help that individual. Uh, to help that representative do the right thing. And so um, it depends on what level that you're trying to um, perform there because, as you said, a lot of people are very busy. They don't have a lot of time to operate at that level. But I would say that basic good manners, using some common sense and treating other people the way you'd want to be treated will have your voice heard faster than if you decide that you're going to take, you know, the jerk approach, as I call it, yeah. that doesn't yeah. that doesn't really bode well uh, for your position on anything. Sure. Whenever you treat other people, yes, when you treat other people that way. Yes, and I, I think one of the um, and one thing I'd, I'd add to that is, especially if whether that's whether you're sharing on social media or sending a legislator a piece of information, uh, two things: keep it short. Uh, they don't have time to read your 50-page uh, manifesto. And, Correct. Uh, and also, careful with your sources. You may love Alex Jones and Infowars to death, but most people are going to look at that and they're going to roll their eyes. So go if if they're posting something, check their sources. Go click on the other links within a source. Find go back to a credible source like uh, Breitbart or a, another news organization. Follow. Try to find. Go back to those. To better source, the better the source, the more uh, more credibility they will give to to your ideas. Absolutely, and keep your communication. Uh, if it's a phone call, if it is uh, a a letter that you drop off, if it's a piece of written communication, keep it to one topic. I mean, if you follow uh, a very convoluted. Um, topic like transportation, for heaven's sakes, don't put everything in, in, in one communication about everything that you don't like about transportation policy. Don't do that. Take one thing. If you have got, if there is one bill, for example, if you're trying to say, let's go back to pay as you go and let's get away from tolling, set out the problem and say, this is why the type of tolling we have in Texas is bad. Here's why it's anti-liberty, and here's what I believe the solutions are. And there are lots of good sources out there. If you want to talk to a legislator about pro-life issues, about spending issues, about transparency issues, take one topic at a time. Because, as you said, they get, they get tons 
of, of documents that they that their staff are trying to get through, and you don't want to become part of the background noise. You need to be judicious in the way you approach people, and you don't want to be somebody that goes in the office and just demands, and you think you're going to stand there and dress them down for 30 minutes. That's not the way it works. You need to go in there, you need to state your business, you need to tell them, fill out a piece of paper if you need to, and then go on your way. Leave your contact information so that they can reach you uh, if they have a question about the information that you left. But as you said, I mean, for heaven's sakes, don't send them some 25-page handwritten letter. They will not read it. Now, I get 25-page uh, handwritten letters, uh, Jason. I have people that are, you know, that everywhere I go, people are trying to give me information to read, and after a point, you're just saying, you know what, if you could just condense this down uh, to a couple paragraphs and tell me what your main point is about this, I, we're going to be able to communicate a lot better about this because if you're handing me, you know, a 50-page a document to read, I don't know when I would be doing that. And so... You know, you just you just have to think about how busy these people are, and they don't even read the bills. There, there really are lots of legislators who don't read the bills. So if you want to be helpful, uh, be somebody in your area of uh, expertise or your area of interest, read the bills and analyze the bill and drop off, you know, one pager that analyzes a bill for them. That, that's... That is a huge help. Uh, even for if, if you've got, if you post that online, even for someone like me, because you, you know, I, I, you and I both study a lot of these bills and are going through that. And my next question is about to be about what bills are you excited about? What are you, what are you looking forward to? Uh, but those kind of things really are helpful to um, to knowing what's going on and just saying because obviously a bill is written in legalese has very specific language, but if you can explain a bill in one to two paragraphs, it's extraordinarily helpful. Yes, it is. Yes, it um, is. So what are, what are you excited about? The bills have started coming up just this week. I've started looking at several of them. I know uh, Jonathan Sticklin's put out several that, uh, that I'm looking forward to, but what are you excited about? Well, I don't know if I would say the word uh, excited about it. I, I will tell you that I had a meeting yesterday about that because we have some very serious and potentially some very grave issues that are yes. um, coming before the legislature, and, and one of the most serious issues is border security. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Texas is going to have to make a decision about border security, and we're going to be more and more forced to do it because of the unlawful, uh, tendencies and the unlawful history of this administration in Washington. And so um, there are some very serious um, discussions that will soon be taking place over the cost of expanding border security operations in Texas. Um, that's going to be very important. I think it's going to be very important to the people of Texas to make sure that uh, Texans who are American citizens or Texans who are legal residents, we want to make sure that our resources are directed towards citizens and legal residents, um, because after all, our folks who are elected take an oath of office, 
to that group of people, not citizens of other countries. So that is going to be a very important topic of conversation. I think spending overall is going to be very important. We are on a dangerous trajectory with uh, with spending in Austin, and it is the the level of debt and the spending is not sustainable if we're going to continue to be a state with no income tax. I think that's going to be important. There will be an emphasis on cleaning up Austin. Um, that will touch on uh, lobbying. It will touch on ending corporate welfare. It will touch on uh, making uh, the contracts that elected officials, uh, their families, family members have with quasi-governmental agencies, with governmental and state state agencies, those types of things that have made decision-making pretty murky down in Austin. Additional transparency for elected officials, that will be an emphasis. And, um, you know, I know that my friends at Texas Right to Life uh, have some um, have some bills that we're going to be very very interested in. We're going to be um, also emphasizing Texas. Um, we're going to emphasize American laws for American courts. We certainly don't want international law used in our courts in the United States and so we're going to be seeing we'll be working with Equal Forum on on that type of bill but uh, you know spending trying to get transportation reforms in transportation those are a few of the of the big topics um and campus carry that's another big topic so from the day we're going to have plenty to do Jason <laughs> good night are we ever i mean there's already 500 bills that have been filed. Um, I'm still trying to figure out, James White has, has done one that has something to do with hairstylist. I haven't read the language of the bill yet, but I'm interested to see what in the world we're talking about. Because last time, and, and James White's a great guy, I'm sure so, but, uh, but last time I remember we licensed interior designers. Just silly stuff like that. Because all those big issues that you that, you talked about, and I'm because I kind of follow the smaller stuff sometimes. I, I'm very interested in all of those things, but when we start licensing interior designers, I think we've kind of gone overboard. What are they going to do? We're, like your curtains, sure. my curtains are the wrong color. I said fuchsia. <clears throat> well, you see, under the guise of protecting you, the government coming in and protecting you. Um, a lot of times that's done with one of those very noble, it has, it's cloaked in a noble endeavor, but what it actually is is you will have a lobby for a big um, uh, association, uh, a, a professional group that, you know, if I'm this professional decorator and I've got a degree in interior design and, you know, and I'm part of a professional organization, I'm not going to want, um, you know, the lady down the street who's got an eye for design running around taking business away from me. So what I do as a professional organization is I go to my friendly neighborhood state representative and I go, hey, you know, we just want to help people. 
We just want to protect people. And so we want to protect people from, you know, these these folks who don't know what they're doing and can really cause a lot of trouble. Do you see the potential here for harm? And the state rep will go, oh, yes, because I definitely want to get up on my white horse and I want to save people from themselves. I do want to do that. So anyway, that's how a lot of that happens. I oh, mean, it's, it's, and, and it's gotten into the, the master trades to the degree where, you know, you have people that's, you know, a guy who's just known in his neighborhood is Mr. Fix-It, who runs mm-hmm. around and he fixes people, you know, your dishwasher is clogged up or whatever, and he'll come over. Well, you know, you have busybodies who want that guy to be licensed before he can do anything, you know, is a Mr. Fix-It. And so it's it's all about people thinking that government's supposed to save you from yourself. And so, yeah, and I suspect that that's what's going on uh, with some of these bills. And we'll see even more of it because I will tell you this, the big professional lobby groups want to eliminate as much competition as possible. Oh, yeah. And and that's any right that the government gives you is, is always the, what the right that the government can take away. That's always the, the takeaway people need to remember. And every time they try to protect you from something, they, they're taking away your right to do it yourself. Um, it's, whether it's silly little things like interior designer and who you get to hire or just from – or to uh, – to huge things like telling you you can't, who can hone a gun and who can't. Um, those are, those issues are those issues are all come from the same mindset of we are better than you, we know better than you do, so we're going to take care of you. And so that's what to look out for. Whether it's huge bills like campus carry uh, and the big nanny state there, or it's small things like. Uh, the interior design uh, issue, all of those things come back to who is best equipped to run your life. That's right. That is right, Jason. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for uh, coming on today. Is there anything you'd like to leave uh, the people for what to look for next session or what uh, to get involved with? Well, you know, I just encourage everybody, uh, as I said, to spend a little bit of time um, thinking about how you can play a role in in your government to to get government back into its constitutional boundaries. Uh, Because, you know, voting is very, very important, but voting is the minimum exercise of good citizenship. Um, I think that we are um, unfortunately reaping um, some of the um, very distasteful benefits of of a people who have for a very long time just you know elected uh, somebody to office and they just it's like you just wind them up and let, set them on their way and you forget about them and while you thought they were uh, serving in your best interest maybe they weren't that's why we find ourselves today with an out of control IRS and and um, you know NSA spying. Uh, all sorts of anti-liberty activity on the federal, this state, and even on the local level is because we, the people, have forgotten what our jobs are. It's our job to hire mm-hmm. the right people at the ballot box, but it's also our responsibility to make sure they are doing the job in a limited government way. 
Awesome. And thank you again for, for coming on. We From today, the day of this recording, we're two months out from the first day of session, the first vote all of our representatives will take will be on who the new speaker is. As always, uh, I'd like to remind people, call your, call your representative, ask them who they're supporting, and ask them to get out and support someone that will allow these bills to come up because that will not be Speaker Strauss. We do not want to have to fight tooth and nail to do what we should be able to pass with ease with 98 Republicans in the, in the Texas House of Representatives. So call your representative. You're exactly right, Jason. They should. And say the question to ask them, are you, going, is your, are you as my state rep, are you going to vote with the Democrats? Are you going to vote with the Democrats for uh, the status quo? Because if you are, then I'm just really, as twist, a twisted conservative, I'm really questioning whether you are conservative or not. So, um, you know, we're, we're supporting uh, Scott Turner. And uh, we do so with great enthusiasm. And so we would just ask people to take a good, strong look at uh, Scott Turner. We believe that he has the right uh, credentials and the right um, core values to lead the Texas House of Representatives. I agree, and I think Scott will be a great speaker uh, if we can pull the folks over. And I think they will, that everybody keeps saying that it's a lost cause. But I remind people we are two months out and anything can change in politics in two months with a lot of hard work. That's exactly right, Jason. I enjoyed being on your show today. Thank you so much for asking me. Thanks, Joanne, and I am sure I will see you very soon. That's right, Jason. Take care. God bless. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of Twisted Conservative, and I hope you'll continue to join me. If you've not checked out our past podcasts, make sure you do so, and remember to rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. You can find that directly at twistedconservative.com slash iTunes, also on Stitcher Radio at twistedconservative.com slash Stitcher. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Jason Vaughn, that's at J-A-S-O-N, V-A-U-G-H-N, and you can follow me, you can email me at ProLifeTexas at gmail.com. And remember to check out ProLife Texas Facebook page as well as the Twisted Conservative Facebook page, and I'll see you next week when John Siegel will be joining me to talk about Brittany Maynard's suicide.